0: Your Bibles today to John chapter uh, 16. We're going to continue our, our message on hope, but before we do, um, I was getting ready for this week, and you know, I thought about it. I was like, How many of you guys have a television at home? How many of you guys wish you had a television at home? Okay. All right. You know, most of us probably have at least one, probably two, maybe one for every room. I, I've been to some houses, and there's some in the bathrooms, you know. Sitting right there, just where you can see it from the toilet, and I'm like, how much time do you really spend in there, you know? I've been to one house, I kid you not, and there was one that you could literally, you could watch it while you're in the shower. Does anybody have one of those? <laughs> Somebody's like, that is awesome, you know? I could t- you know, we, we, all, we all have television. We all grew up on, on television to a certain degree. I mean, come on, it's the best babysitter in the world, right? Just kidding. And uh, so we all have television. We all, and, you know, I was thinking about when there's that certain show that you really liked, Okay. And you hear that theme song, all of a sudden it reminds you of that show. And it doesn't matter, you could, you could be a, it could be a ringtone on your phone, it could be something played over the air, you could just be walking by and hear it, and you're like, oh, that's, that's to, that, to that show. And, uh, and so it usually sitcoms, I used to love sitcoms. Let me just show what I'm talking about. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little snippet of, of, of some of the sitcoms, and w- as soon as you know what it is, you just, you just shout it out, okay? Go ahead, let's play the first one. Yeah! Come on, go and stop it. Saved by the Bell. Someone was like Zach, Zach. You know, because you had a crush on him, and you, and maybe you still, maybe you still do. You know, and uh, he's saved, saved by the Bell, and you remember that, and you're like, wow, yeah, saving. Now every episode is running through your mind right now. You're like, yeah, Zach. He's so dreamy. You know. Okay. Uh, let, let's play. Let's play the next one. Just shout it out when you know it. Yeah. Some. The office, yeah. Now, the reason you didn't shout that one out, it's kind of like, who do you have a crush on in that one, right? They're all, the, uh, yeah, the office. I watch that. You know, with, with Saved by the Bell, it's like, ah, you know, okay? <laughs> Kelly, Zach, I love them. Office, they're just a bunch of strange people, right? Okay? But, you, you, you know, you all know what it is. Come on, let's play, let's play the third one there. <laughs> okay, there's some. The, the excitement level is getting less and less and less. Some of you are still off in dreamland now, Okay? Oh, what's the other guy? Mario, right? In In Fade by the Bell, the little buff dude, right? See, some of you guys are in Dreamland right now. Slater, yeah, Slater. Screech, yeah, yeah. The last one is Friends. Now, now, the reason you didn't want to you didn't want to yell that one out in church because you're like, is it okay to watch that one, right? I mean, everybody's sleeping with everybody, and right? Is that the same show? We think the same, right? Friends. Okay. So yeah, you most you got that. One. Let's play another one. We got one more here. Do we know that one? <laughs> Seinfeld. Yeah, how many Seinfeld fans are out there? Okay. Now, these are all, all obviously sitcoms, and uh, I think that most of us, you know, like sitcoms. And, uh, but sitcoms are funny because uh, in a matter of probably if you take away the commercials, so they have about 22 minutes of a show. In a matter of 22 minutes, they, they develop a plot. Uh, they, 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 there's a problem there's some comedy thrown into the problem, and then in a matter of 22 minutes, everything's resolved. And we like that. Matter of fact, we like that so much when we would watch those, and all of a sudden, the end would say, to be continued. We'd be like, no! Does Zach break up with Kelly? What happens? Right? And we're just like, we, I can't wait a whole week before I figure out what's going to happen. Right? We start to freak out. Why? Because we like Closure. We like it when we can, in 22 minutes, we can say, oh, okay, there's the plot, there's the problem, oh, it's resolved, all right, happily ever after, there's the gift wrap box with the bow, I can sleep tonight knowing that Zach and Kelly are still together, right? And the reason we like that is because for most of us, that's not reality. For most of us, we sit here today, our, our issues are not resolved in 22 minutes, our issues are not resolved with five other friends and okay, everything, you know, just goes on and everything's fantastic. The reality of life is that sometimes you never get closure. The reality of life is that sometimes there isn't a happily ever after. The reality with life is that sometimes you don't have that gift wrap box with a bow on it at the end. And so maybe just for a moment we can watch Seinfeld laugh a little bit. But sooner or later we have to go back to reality. We have to realize that our life is a to-be-continued almost daily, and it's in those moments and in those seasons where hopefully we have something that anchors us, and today I want to talk to you just for the next few moments on the anchor of hope. What is it that you have that you can hold on to when life hurts the most? When you're going through the most difficult season of your life, things don't seem to be working out, you can't make heads or tails of a situation. Doesn't make sense. I feel like giving up and what do you hold on to? What do you hold on to? Now most of you say, well, well, I'm here and, and I'm a Christian and I got Jesus. But if you've been with Jesus long enough, you realize that still as a Christian, you don't always have all the answers. That still you go through seasons where life just doesn't make sense. There's still problems, there's still circumstance, but, but I thought when I became a Christian, because I remember the pastor told me life was going to be amazing. <laughs> he lied. <laughs> but, but, but I thought when I became a Christ follower that I would get this little manual that would tell me everything. Because, I mean, doesn't the Bible say in Psalm 139 that before any one of my days was lived, there's a book written about it in heaven? I want that book. Right? I want that one. I want to know, am I going to have enough money tomorrow to pay my mortgage? Where's that out in here? I want to know, I want to know, on page, you know, 678, does my marriage, is it okay? Are my kids still serving Jesus? Is, is the cancer going to be healed? I want, I want that book, but, but the reality is, is even though when you come to Jesus, we don't have all the answers. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about your, your anchor of hope. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you have not yet, to John chapter 16, verse 33. Because the Bible has something to say, about the trouble that you and I would face here on earth. Let me give you this definition, hope. It's the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Hope, it's the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. John 16, verse 33, Jesus is saying this, I have said these things to you, Now, there's a lot of things that Jesus has said, okay? And for those of you that say, man, I want to do whatever Jesus tells me, you probably haven't read all the Bible. (laughs) Because he said a lot of stuff and they're like, whoa, I don't know if I... But he comes to this conclusion and he says, I have said all of these things leading up to this moment, here it is, that in me you may have peace. Now, if he just would have put a period there and stopped it, it would have been fantastic, but then he goes on and says this, in the world... In other words, in this life that you're living now, in this world, right now at this present moment, you will have tribulation. We like the last part. Let's rewind. That didn't mean you may have peace. That'd be great. Have peace. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. But he goes on to make this statement. It's what we're talking about today. In the world, you will have tribulation. In other words, you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I like that part again. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that your word would speak to us in the next few moments that we have together. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. In this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to go through some stuff. Now, here's the thing. The Bible uses the word tribulation. Tribulation. Now, just go home and do a word study on tribulation, okay? Because what some of us classify as trouble isn't trouble. My car won't start. Oh, man! The world's handy. No, you just go and jump in your second car, <laughs> right? Right? Okay. Oh, I must, have, I must have put on some weight. My jeans don't fit. Oh, man! Okay. And sometimes we have a way of blowing things out of, out of proportion. I know I've done this before. You spill something on your shirt? That's never gonna come out. Ben, it's just water. Get over it, you know? (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one, you know? And we have a way of blowing things out of proportion, you know? And and, and it's really not, that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible's talking about big time trouble. The, The Bible's talking about when you get to that place when you don't have the answers. You don't know how this is going to work out. You don't know how it's going to resolve. But sometimes we make trouble out of the littlest things. we were flying out to uh, Portland last Friday, and we show up at the ticket counter. And uh, my, my, my wife checks in, Trinica checks in, and I come, and I'm ready to check in. And uh, I give her my license, and the lady looks at me and goes, I'm sorry, this ticket isn't going to work. And I quickly grab my wife and bring her over because she's the one that booked the ticket. And I'm like, help. <laughs> And for some reason, my ticket was booked with my last name, both as my first and my last. So Brinkman Brinkman was trying to check in. <laughs> and so she's said, but this is, the, this is the lady at the ticket counter. She's like, um, this is not your ticket. Yeah, it is. Well, you, you, got, you got the wrong names here. I'm like, okay, well, in my mind, I'm thinking, fix it. <laughs> is that what you get paid to do? Get me on the plane, right? She looks at and she's just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And we're just, kind of, I thought she was joking at first. I'm like, I'll <laughs> you know, just change it. She's like, this is a matter of national security. I'm like, you know. And honestly, for 45 minutes, she's like. Have you guys ever been there before? You know they're doing nothing. No one can type that fast. They're just messing around, trying to, you know, trying to mess with you and, you know. And so she's sitting there, she's, wearing, she's just like, yeah, this is going to take me a lot longer than I thought. Here's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to cancel the whole flight. The flight, well, no, just you on the flight. And then we're going to have to rebook it. And in my mind, I'm already starting to think there's going to be extra charges, you know, all this stuff, right? And she's, this lady has no hope, ladies and gentlemen. She is like, I mean, the world is ending because she's got to change the first name on a ticket, Right? And literally 45 minutes and my wife is, is standing there and finally my wife is trying to make light of the situation. My wife goes, hey, you just want me to run down to the courthouse and have him change his name? It would probably work a lot faster. <laughs> so we did and I got on the plane. No, just kidding. Hope. Hope. Where do you go when life hurts the most? Here the Bible says that Jesus says you're going to have trouble. You are going to find yourself, and the reality is is that some of us are sitting here right now, and we're in the middle of it right now. We're going through some trouble, and we don't have the answers. We don't know how it's going to work out. There might not be a happily ever after. I wish that in the matter of 22 minutes in this preaching that we could have some comedy, we could have a plot, you'd resolve my problem, and I would walk out of here, and it would not be to, uh, to be continued. Some of you, maybe you're like, well, I'm not there, you know. Take notes. You'll be there sooner or later. Now, Ben, that's not a very nice thing to say. I'm not the one saying it. Read your Bible. <laughs> Jesus said it. You will have trouble. Or for some of you, you're coming out at the end of it. You're either going through it, you're at the end of it, or get ready. You're about to head into it. Where do you turn? Where do you turn? Three things I want to point out to you in this passage. The first one is this, is you'll have trouble. <laughs> but the second thing is this, is that Jesus has overcome you're trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now think about the scripture. For those of you that have read the Bible, you're thinking, yeah, he did. He, he overcame. He died on the cross. Man, my sins are forgiven. Man, you know, I, by his stripes I'm healed. Man, I can have a greater tomorrow because of what Jesus did. He hasn't done those things yet when he's saying this. He has not yet gone to the cross. He has not yet died for humanity. He has done none of those things. And he looks at his disciples Christ followers, if you will, and says, Hey, I know you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Wow. But he hasn't done anything yet. What is he saying? He's saying this Your world, chaos. My world, Jesus, it's overcome. There's two opposing worlds the world that Jesus has and the world that we live in. And the key is to be anchored to him. Have you guys ever been on a boat before? Now, boats are great when you're just out cruising and whatnot, but there's something that they do, Okay, and if they don't have it you know, moored in a slip or whatever those things are called, they have these things called an anchor. And what's the anchor for? The anchor is dropped, and it's there to keep you in one place. That anchor is dropped, and it connects so that when wind comes and waves come, you won't be moved this way or that way, but you'll stay there. Trouble is like those winds and those waves that come, circumstance, that come against us. And if we are not anchored, we just get blown with the circumstance, the problem. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, the trouble's coming, winds are coming, storm's coming, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, there's something in me that needs to be the anchor of hope so that no matter what you're going through, whether you see the happily ever after or not, whether you make it to the other side, you're going to be okay. You're going to be Okay? you're going to be okay. Because here's what I've realized is that God doesn't always take away the storms, but he keeps us secure in the storms. And oftentimes it's what we learn as we go through those storms that can do something even greater in our life. The third thing I want to point out in this passage right here is this, is that we have Jesus to take heart in and to find peace. We have Jesus to take heart in and to find peace. I want to talk to you about the anchor of hope. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 6 and we'll close with this passage. Anchor of hope. Hebrews chapter six. See, a lot of people, and I've seen this, a lot of people, they want to just believe that there is no problem. I just say no to the problem. Talk to the hand. There is no problem, okay? I've tried that route. Ignoring the problem doesn't work. Doesn't work. Tried the, I've tried the theology where we just say, just say no to it. Or there's the other part of that where people just accept it. Yeah, I'm just going to accept it. Bad things are going to happen. Let them happen to me. I'm just going to accept it. But what Jesus is saying here is you don't have to do either one. What you can do is take heart in me. You can be anchored to me. And although bad things will happen, you don't have to be swayed by them as long as you're anchored to me. Let's look at this real quickly. Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 19. We have this as our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 19, once again, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, an anchor of hope. An anchor of hope. What is he talking about? It goes into the next verse in verse 20 and it starts talking about this. It's talking about the cross. It begins to paint a picture of the high priest, Jesus, dying on the cross for you and for me. What is the Bible telling us? The Bible telling us this, this morning, that the cross of Jesus is our anchor of hope. That when things don't work out like we want to, circumstances seem to arise that we can look to the cross and there find hope. There find hope. Why is the cross the anchor of hope? First, the cross is the anchor of hope because number one, at the cross, I see that God loves me. I see that God loves me. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved. When I look at the cross, I see that God loves me. I said, Ben, why is that important? Because when I'm going through a tough time, when I'm going through a circumstance that that is just outside of my control, when I feel like giving up hope, when I feel like giving up on God, I can look to the cross, and there I'm reminded, wait a second, God loves me. And if God loved me enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for me, then surely he loves me enough to keep me anchored through this storm. Surely this storm won't overtake. Surely this problem, this obstacle, this difficult I'm walking through, it won't, it won't overcome me. There I see that God loves me. I don't know about you, but for me, that gives me confidence when I see that God loves me. I mean, I, I love the fact that my wife loves me. I love the fact that some of you love me. Okay. But man, when I know that Jesus loves me, when God loves me, and that just gives me such security and gives me such a sense of confidence. At the cross, number two, I see that God is in control. How many of you guys like to know that God's in control? At the cross, I see that God's in control. I say, "Wait a second, Ben, I've read that story. Didn't, didn't, didn't man crucify him? matter of fact, didn't they have a choice? They could have they they killed Barabbas instead of Jesus? And surely, I mean, if, if God was in control, they would have chosen. Barabbas because he was a notorious sinner, man. He, was, he needed to go to the cross. I mean, if God was in control, wouldn't have he sure, surely he would have turned the hearts of humanity to pick him. But instead, the people started crying out, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. What, what, what do you mean God's in control? But if you read the scriptures leading up to that moment, Jesus says this, you have not taken my life, but I have laid it down on my own free will. Even in that moment when it seemed like God was no longer in control. He had it all orchestrated. He had it all set up. See, a lot of times when you go through stuff, if you don't have this anchor of hope and you're just being driven by this force and you're being driven by this wind, you're being driven by this circumstance, that circumstance is in control. But if you have the anchor of the cross, if you have the anchor of hope, when it comes and it tries to drive you, it's not in control because it can't move you. And it's in the middle of that storm and in the middle of that problem, in the middle of that circumstance, that, that, that something is built inside of us, that something is, is learned in that process that will sustain us for the long haul. But if we're not anchored, not only do we not have hope, but we get driven and we don't learn. I mean there are, I mean, going back to this whole thought that I wish we had a manual. Um, I would love to know what's going to happen next. I love it. I mean, think about it. When when you're faced with that circumstance, wouldn't it be nice just to grab the manual and flip to the, like, okay, it's going to work out. (laughs) Not a problem. We can make it through this one. I would love that. I love it. But you know what happens in those moments is faith is built. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. If I could see that it's going to work out, where would faith be? But faith is built in the middle of those circumstances, in the middle of those problems, in the middle of those those, those frustrating times when you can stay anchored to the cross. Faith is built. So now, when you go through the next storm, I remember I got to anchor. Are you with me this morning? Lastly, lastly, number three, at the cross I see God can use the worst for eternal good. I see that God can use the worst of circumstances for eternal good the worst in your life, when you're anchored to the cross, can be used for eternal good. Your eternal good, absolutely. Know that old saying, "What well, doesn't kill you it will only make you stronger? I hate that saying. <laughs> but it's so true. And it works something inside of you, but here's the thing, it's not only about you, it's not only for you, but it works eternal good for somebody else because now the Bible says this to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies inside of you. It's like this it's like when, when I found out my mom was going through, had cancer. And man, that rocked our house. But yet we could be anchored to the cross of Jesus. And now my friend is going through that same thing and his world is being torn to pieces. And he looks over here and he says, well, how come, how come, how come you don't feel the same way I do? It's because I have an anchor of the cross of Jesus Christ. I have hope. Someone else going through, through a tough situation with their marriage, and man, they don't know how it's going to work out, and it's throwing their whole world in the chaos, but yet, here's somebody over here saying, man, I'm anchored to Jesus Christ, I'm anchored to the cross, and so I have hope. We can be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies inside of us, that anchor is not just for us, but when other, other people are in the same storm you're in, in the same situation you're in, and their boat is being rocked, but yet you're over here, and you're not being rocked, you're not being moved, and they look and they say, hey! What's different about your circumstance or situation? You be ready to say, I got the anchor of the cross of Jesus, and it's given me hope that that which I need will come to pass. Where do you turn when life hurts the most? What do you have in your life? Today, I want to encourage you. Get the cross of Jesus, the anchor of hope. God, we thank you for your work.